Thank you for listening to The Rest is History. For bonus episodes, early access, ad-free listening, and access to our chat community, sign up at restishistorypod.com. That's restishistorypod.com. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. If you came this way, taking any route, starting from anywhere, at any time or at any season, it would always be the same. You would have to put off sense and notion. You are not here to verify, instruct yourself, or inform curiosity, or carry report. You are here to kneel where prayer has been valid. That was T.S. Eliot in Little Gidding, um, the last of the four quartets. Um, and Little Gidding is a, a very beautiful, tiny little church, very hard to find, um, that was the final point in my recent exciting tour of Middle England which um, Dominic has laughed at me about, but it, it was... I'm laughing now. It was, uh, it was a kind of... It, it, a, a wonderful, wonderful place and a, a reminder that, um, in a sense, uh, churches are among our most kind of intimate way to, to get in touch with history. Um, uh, Elliot, again, in, in, in Little Gidding, Elliot famously said that history is a pattern of timeless moments and you kind of re- can really feel that, I think, in churches. Or am I being overly romantic, Dominic? No, I don't that. think you are at all. I think uh, certainly um, to bring out my inner John Bull, which is never much suppressed, I think England's wealth of, of parish churches is the envy of any country in the world. I mean, these fantastic historical sites, whereas you say the sort of the 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 layers of the of the past just seem to kind of strip away as you walk inside the church and you 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 know you're standing where generations of people stood you're looking at what you know endless generations have have looked at at a place that they took immensely seriously that kind of even now you don't have to be a believer to feel that these places are kind of weighed down with the solemnity and the seriousness of of the sort of yeah. faith of ages yeah and also i mean the, the coming of christianity and then the reformation and then i suppose the process of of, of de-christianization are such profound influences on on English, British, Irish history, that I think that, um, that, that, that an episode devoted to what churches can tell us about the past is more than justified. And I just yeah. want to put it on record because there has been suggestion on Twitter that the fact that you've had COVID this past week and have been I, I have it as we speak. I have it as we speak. You I'm, have it I'm, as you I've speak. risen from my sickbed to do this. Wow. I mean, this is this is like a kind of yeah. something from the Bible in itself. It is. Um, but people have suggested that I have snuck this in while you've been. <laughs> yeah. While you've been. But actually, Dominic, this is your idea, isn't it? Yes, it pains me to admit it, but it is my idea. Um, because, Tom, I happen to know the absolute best person in the entire British Isles to... to um, you can't say British Isles. I just you? did. Um, and the Atlantic the entire, Archipelago, I believe. The entire British Isles <laughs> to talk about churches. She's an Irish woman, 
Uh, her name is Rachel Morley. She's a former winner of Person of the Year at her old school. She is the director of the Friends of Friendless Churches. And most of all, her big claim to fame, she is my sister-in-law. And here she is. Hello, Rachel. Hello. <laughs> Morning, Rachel. Hi, Tom. Thanks for that, Dominic. You're very welcome. You were Person of the Year. I was. Don't be embarrassed about it. No, I'm not embarrassed. Uh, I was Person of the Year, but I find it very strange that you suggested this to- uh, topic because any time when I come to visit and I talk about churches or I bring them up, you always just kind of put your head in your hands and say, not a bloody, not another bloody church. There's a lot of rolling so, of eyes goes on in my house. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so I'm surprised. Uh, I'm as surprised as anybody to be here today. So Rachel, Rachel actually wants to live with us, Tom. She lived with us for uh, 18 months? No, only about 10. Oh, it did felt you, like did 18. You take, it felt <laughs> like 18. Did you take Dominic around lots of churches? I hope so. I did not, no. Oh, missed opportunity. He wouldn't come He wouldn't come with me. There's no point. <laughs> what can you do with this man? I know, I know. No, no, but this is ridiculous because Dominic has suggested this subject. So, yeah. Dominic, I mean, this I is a great theme. This is a I, great theme. So, let's. how are we going to do this? We get Rachel, you have um, chosen your... <laughs> I mean, we said 10 best. Best mm-hmm. is, a, I mean, it's a hopeless phrase. 10 I mean, top churches. I mean, and we put, so I put, I put a request for, for, for kind of people's suggestions on, on Twitter. And I don't think we've ever had um, quite the response that we had to that. I mean, we had more people reply to that than I think anything we've put out before. An immense range of, uh, of, of suggestions. Um, Dominic, we had, what did we have? We had... Um, we had uh, some entirely predictable ones from yeah. uh, people who've appeared on the show. So uh, Dan Jackson, uh, author of uh, Northumbrians, um, obviously went for... A Northern Church, they St George's yes. They're all Northumbrian ones. Um, Jonathan Wilson, um, son of Sunderland, he went for St Peter's Church, Monk Wearmouth, which is, of course, a brilliant choice. Um, that's the one um, that uh, f- famous for Bede. Um, yeah. The, the glory of the northeast uh what else did we had we had so, so rachel we had a lot of enthusiasm mm. for for durham cathedral we had um simon sharma yeah he chose historian. magnus cathedral kirk wall do you agree mm. with that choice rach i do not no <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um. well okay. okay okay the reason why is because you asked for churches and so many people gave you cathedrals i mean that's uh, right a rookie's that, error. Well, it's not what you asked for, so why would they be telling you cathedrals? Um, Simon Sharma didn't even read the question. He didn't even read the question, <laughs> exactly. So there we go. Um, and I guess the thing is, uh, I'm really nervous because this is a massive responsibility, okay? Um, and it's been done so many times before. Like, obviously, Betjeman did his best British churches. Right, then- yes. And on that, yes, yeah, so on that, just sorry, just to so we also have one from Giles Fraser. Mm-hmm. Um, Famous vicar, mm-hmm. famous uh, vicar, <laughs> famous vicar, top vicar, um, and he suggested Saint <laughs> Enadoc. Yeah, Saint <laughs> yeah. uh, Enadoc uh, in North Cornwall, which is mm. a, a wonderful church, um, has a spire that looks like the tail of a stegosaur, um, and it's but also it's where John Betjeman is buried. And John, John Betjeman, Ra- he Rachel loved his been, churches, didn't he? Rachel has been to Saint Enadoc Church with me. I have. Oh, so you have been to a church, Dominic? I, I have with yes, yeah. It's a great wow. church. It used to be it used Hallelujah. to be covered. It used to be covered by sand dunes, didn't it, Rach? It did, yeah, exactly. And the vicar. And it's got a golf course all around it. It does, it ha- yeah. It does, it does, yeah. The vicar yeah. used to have to climb down through a ladder, didn't he, in the roof? In the spire, yeah. In the spire, because it was just to... poking out through the sand, yeah. Yeah. So, Rachel, right. does that does that qualify Saint Enadoc as as a, as a, one of the top churches? It's a great church. It's 
not on my list. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, so, so what are the qualifications you've brought for your choice of the top ten? And on... we're including Ireland as well as Britain. Well, we'll see about that. <coughs> um, let's just t- say, okay, so... Betjeman has done it. He did a thousand best churches. There's Alec Clifton Taylor. There's Pevsner. They're kind of like the giants of 20th century talking about And Simon Jenkins. Oh, yeah. And Simon Jenkins. But he sort of just ripped off Betjeman doing his thousand best (laughs) church. Well, he did. Hard hitting opinion on churches here. We've got them. And also, he didn't even go to all of the churches. And some that are on my list are in in his a thousand best churches, which I think is just, you know, terrible that he... uh, But also, I think there's a... There's a book that's the nation's favourite churches. But again, loads of people voted for cathedrals on that, which I just don't understand. I mean, there are like 16,000 churches in England alone. You have loads of choice. You don't have to go for the obvious (laughs) cathedrals. Anyway, and then there's Jay Hume on Twitter. And last year he did a um, he did a World Cup of major churches, which was hugely popular. Um, And the final two, I think, were... Uh, St. Wolfram's in Grantham in Lincolnshire and Tewkesbury Abbey and in the end St. Wolfram's in um, Grantham home of Isaac Newton and well not home but he went to school there and Margaret Thatcher um, that one won so that was very that was very interesting but basically uh, thinking about it I was thinking okay so what do you go for for the best do you go for the oldest, the biggest, the you know the finest interior, the one with the tallest spire, the longest nave, you know the smallest. Oh, you know. If I mean, if you're doing cathedrals, you want to go for the tallest spire. Okay, I well, mean, I, I, mean I think we can all agree that Salisbury is the best. Cathedral. It's not as good as but, Lincoln. But, it's not as good as Lincoln. Lincoln's yeah. a better cathedral. My, yeah, well, no, because mm. Lincoln's fell down. Go on, Rach. Because of the Don't so listen to Tom Holland. Anyway, that's fine. Talk okay. over him. And then, okay, great, I will. And then there are other things like, you know, you've got churches that are called like, you know, the Cathedral of the Marshes, the Queen of the Moors, all of these. And those are all kind of like great churches. But the thing is, whenever you do lists and compile things like this, it's always the same ones that come out. You always get the same ones. There's St. Peter's, Walpole, St. Peter's in Norfolk. There's St. Mary's, Redcliffe in Bristol. Roslyn Chapel, Fairford, Long Melford, Burford, you know. So there's no point in me going through all of those because everybody knows those. And, you know, there are so many churches to choose from. There are 42,000 places of worship, around 42,000 places of worship in the UK. So, you know, let's kind of, let's look for actually ones that are a bit more interesting and not obvious choices. So that's Brilliant. mine. Okay. Is that's, that okay? That, that, yeah, that, that is a, that, that's fantastic specification. So, <laughs> <laughs> Nothing <laughs> obvious, basically. Yeah, okay, so it's... So your top ten unobvious, yeah, churches, yeah. Are, are you, have you are they in random order? Or are you going from ten to one or? Well, they're sort of in random order. What I tried to do was try and make a nice story so that they all they all kind of oh, flow into good. one and the well, other. Oh, we like a story. Oh, we do like a story. Great. So yeah. Okay. Grand. So what? So, so what are you kicking off with? Okay, I'm kicking off with uh, one which is. Uh, one that I one that I really like, obviously, because it's in my top ten. Um, but uh, that I used to live near Saint Mary the Virgin in Shrewsbury, and I absolutely love Shrewsbury. Dominic knows it's my favourite place in the whole of England, um, and Saint Mary Shrewsbury is a great church. Uh, you know, the river sort of carves out Shrewsbury. The river defines Shrewsbury, and the 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 town sort of rises up from there. And Saint Mary's is kind of at the top of that, and it's a gorgeous old red sandstone church. It's got a great big spire and that's all lovely the reason why I'm bringing it in first of all is that it's got a really um 
uh, not just about the architecture, but it's got a really interesting story around it. Dominic, I don't know if you know this. You're a Shropshire native, aren't you? Uh, I don't know this. I am a Shropshire native. Grand. I, I blank out all church stuff because I leave that to you. Okay, thanks. So anyway, it's all about, uh, the story is all about Robert Cadman. And he was an 18th century steeplejack and rope slider. Uh, and he used to perform all of these sorts of tricks. And he was from Shrewsbury, which is lovely. And he travelled kind of all around the country. So he was in Dorset and Lincolnshire. And newspapers kind of say these great feats of daring that this guy used to do. Um, and he... One of his kind of big tricks was he would climb up the front of St. Mary's, which is, you know, a, a bits of a Norman church in there. So it's a really ancient church. So he'd climb up the front of it. It was 250 metres up the, the church, then a 68 metre spire up to the top. He'd have a rope going from the top of the spire down and anchored into a meadow across the other side of the river. So as he's going up, he's doing all kinds of sorts of, you know, tricks and making the crowd laugh and everyone's having a great jolly time. Anyway, he gets to the top and then he puts on a wooden breastplate and there's a big groove down the centre of it. And he hurls himself onto this rope and he's meant to slide all the way from the top of the spire, over the river, over the meadows and kind of land, you know, perfectly standing on the other side in one piece, preferably. He wow. did that several times. That was fine. Yeah. Except uh, once. Uh, which was kind of the end of it, the last time he did it, which was 1739, when the rope the rope actually snapped and uh, and he fell and he died. So that's very sad. Um, oh. But, <laughs> but there's a plaque on the outside of the church, so right right by the main door as you go in. So it's like a bit, it's a big event in the church's history, right? So yeah. there's a plaque outside and it reads, "Let this small monument record the name of Cadman." And to the future time proclaim how by an attempt to fly from this spire across the Sabrina stream, he did acquire his fatal end. It was not for want of skill or courage to perform the task he fell. But no, no, a faulty cord being drawn too tight hurried his soul on her high to take her flight, which bid the body here beneath good night. So that's lovely. So he was basically a failed tightrope walker. No, but I mean, he had lots of success. Um, he, di- he died when he was 28 but he had loads of success up then <laughs> right. um, yeah, live fast die young but yeah but, yeah, but, it's, but it's a really cool story anyway um, but beyond um, that the church is really interesting so the but, actual building is great too go on Tom I was just going to say on the topic of, of kind of jumping off the top of churches um, you've given Dominic a Shrewsbury one uh, a Shropshire one could, could I, th- there's a famous Wiltshire uh, oh go on yeah um, which is um, uh Aylmer of Malmesbury, the monk who um, built himself a glider and hurled himself off the top of Malmesbury. And um, he, he crash landed and lost the, the use of his legs, but he didn't die. Oh, OK. So, so I'm just sticking up for that people who jump off churches in Wiltshire are slightly better at it than people who jump off it in Shropshire. <laughs> so I'd rather be killed. Well, he, well, you, might, you might prefer to be killed outright, I think. It depends how... No, because, because then you have a long, profitable life as a hero of aeronautics. <laughs> well, a I mean, failed you, you know, of aeronautics, surely. No, he, no the, the glider worked. Anyway, listen, we're, we're, we're getting off and I'm just anyway, anyway, from anyway, anyway, top anyway. 10 gliders rather Dominic, than top 10 churches. Dominic, um, I thought, I, I guess I kind of thought of you with this one. Obviously, there's a Shropshire connection, but also you recently did a nice go ape challenge. So you were doing your own bit of rope sliding. I which did. You, which, you, which you, I mean, do you think you were as good as Cadman? I was terrified. Tell us about this. I don't know anything about this. Uh, we went in the summer. We went to... We went and did Go Ape with my son and two of his friends. Now, the two friends um, uh, had difficulties completing the course, so that left me and Arthur. 
and I found it absolutely terrifying. So Go8 for people who don't know is this thing where you've got kind of platforms and 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 we and and walkways and kind of adventure playground type things suspended high in trees. Um, it's for sort of daredevil type activity. And I kind of does Dominic's, it, does Dominic's <laughs> strike you as a daredevil? <laughs> An intellectual I'm daredevil, surely. <laughs> I'm loving this insight into um, I actually how Dominic it, is seen. By I thought I was going to have a heart attack. I was so so terrified. There was a thing where you had to do a climbing wall suspended between two trees. Um, uh, and it was a way of getting from tree to tree. So and, jumping off churches wouldn't be your bag? Um, I don't think it would. I did, there's a lot of zip wires involved in Go Ape. So, I mean, that's basically what was going on in Shrewsbury, isn't it? Sort of exactly, 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 yeah. Exactly. So, so yeah, great choice, Rachel. That's fine. That's fine. Um, but anyway, just to say a couple of more things about that church because it is gorgeous. So it's um, you know it's like lots of lovely Norman bits, lovely old red sandstone. But when you go in, it's got an amazing 15th century roof, carved timber roof in the nave. But I think probably the real kind of crowning glory of the church is the stained glass. So it's got an almost complete Jesse window in the east window from about 13. 30. It did come from the old St. Chad's in Shrewsbury, which was um, which collapsed, uh, unfortunately. Um, but they've got that stained glass, but also in all of the other windows, or most of the other windows, it's got some of the best collection of um, 16th and 15th and 16th century continental stained glass. I mean, it's amazing. You could spend hours looking at stained glass there. It's just gorgeous but also if you're in Shrewsbury you can also go to St Alkman's, St Chad's, the Abbey, uh, you can go to the Old Market Hall and Are you being lunch. paid by the, by the Shrewsbury <laughs> Tourist Board? I, I, would I would like to be uh, yeah I would like to work for Shropshire Tourism. And Rachel can I just ask you just very quickly it's it, often when you go to churches you'll be told oh the stained glass window got destroyed in the Reformation or it got mm. destroyed but shot by Cromwell's troopers or whatever. Yeah. yeah. How true is that? Do you know I mean is, is it a... Uh, I imagine some of them were, yeah. But by and large, by and large, the idea that all stained glass window got smashed in the Reformation. Um, is I mean, I, d I guess. Uh, well, it I guess two things. It depended on what it depicted and how obvious it was. I suppose you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, so I guess some of it was. I don't know. I don't think all of it was. I mean, definitely. No, all obviously of it not. Wasn't. If it's there, yeah, there's obviously some not. great survivals. Yeah. Presumably the more the more figurative, but also the more obviously sort of papist it was. Yeah. The more likely it was to be destroyed. It must be as simple as that, surely. And just whether the church was occupied by at some point by soldiers. Yeah. Like like Burford, let's say. Yeah. Like soldiers were were in the church. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, well, Rach, we're going far too slowly. I know. Okay, I'm going. And this is a big one. That was meant to be my short one, so we need to hurry up. <laughs> Okay. Um, okay, so uh, from there, uh, my, my kind of seamless uh, segue into the next one is, um, so that was, uh, you know, great feats of daring, you know, brilliant people. So there I go to North Wales to um, St. Banal, Clinog Fire in Gwyneth. Do you know this one, Tom? No. Okay, great. Dominic, I know you don't know, so there's no point asking you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I know you don't. I know you don't. Anyway. So um, St. Beno was probably one of the most important saints in Wales, um, definitely in North Wales. Uh, his name, me, it's kind of a mutation of Old Welsh and it means knowing cattle. So Brilliant. even to the... Yeah. That's not a name you want. <laughs> <laughs> but also well. to this day, he's still the patron saint of sick cattle and children. So there we go. <laughs> so anyway, from that, you might think that Beno had a, um, came from an agricultural background, but he didn't actually. Uh, he was a grandson of a king of Powys in the 7th century. 
Um, and ultimately, he chose the monastery over the monarchy. Uh, he packed off to Bangor and he became an ab- abbot. He was a missionary. He travelled around a lot. That's all great. There's 11 churches in total dedicated to him. One is the smallest, one of the smallest, St. Bano's Colbone in Somerset, which is very nice. Um, but the one I want to talk about is St. Bano's Clinog Fair. And that's on the Clint Peninsula. Uh, and it is a 15th century whopper. Like, it's just, it's gorgeous. It's huge. It's massive. Big, massive space. It's got this gorgeous, it's plain glazing, no stained glass in the east window. Um, but it's got, you know, uh, screen, misery cord. It's got uh, lovely crocketed. Um, sorry, Dominic, you won't like me using technical terms. I know I was warned off using terms that people would people wouldn't know. But anyway, crocketed sedilia, all of that sort of stuff. It's great. Um, but this church was the site of this uh, the monastery, Saint Beno's monastery. So it's really interesting. Beno was buried here. He was interred in the monastery chapel. Um, but the monastery and the chapel were both destroyed by uh, Vikings in the 10th century. And Coming then, from Ireland, presumably, were they? Why would Vikings be attacking North Wales? Were they coming from Dublin or something? Maybe, yeah. Um, you don't care. I don't, I don't really care because that's not uh, that's not on my story, and I have no time to talk about all this. Anyway, so there's loads to say. So anyway, what's interesting is across the road there's a holy well um, with St. Bano's holy well and apparently if you went on your pilgrimage you could go to this holy well, uh, you could be dumped into the water and you would be cured of anything from epilepsy, rickets and impotence. But to make it work you had to go for a big dunking in the well then go across the road to the church and sleep on top of Bano's grave um, for the night. So that was great. Um, and then that was all fine, and that was actually a practice that continued like until the seventeen until the seventeen hundreds. But nobody does it now. Nobody does it now because rather than the Vikings, the Victorians came along and said that the tomb was unsafe, so they dismantled it. Um, oh, health and safety. Uh, for health and safety, yeah, Victorian oh, health and safety. Sake. But um, so Cadman's great gift, sort of, <laughs> was sliding down ropes. Bano's great gift is um, bringing people back from the dead. So he did this lots of times, that was great. And it included his niece, Winifred. Um, she chose to be a nun. Her jilted lover chopped off her head, which seems to be a occupational hazard if you were a saint in Wales, kind of back in the 7th, 8th century, 6th, 7th century. But St. Winifred's well in Flintshire is on the site where her head fell off. And apparently the spring came up. Mm-hmm. And it's actually... Um, uh, it's one of the most popular places in Wales. It's absolutely gorgeous. Uh, it's called the Lords of Wales. So that's great. So d- do people Lords still go there to get to get healed? Yeah. yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. How many? Oh, uh, lots of people? Loads of people, loads of people, loads of people. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> just very, very quickly, because there's loads of, sto- there's loads of great stories about Beno, but actually my favourite one is basically, he was really popular. Everyone wanted, everyone wanted a bit of him, you know, in his monastery and all this sort. So... He needed a bit of time to pray, so he'd, what he used to do was he'd go out into the middle of a river and he had a rock and he'd kneel on the river to pray at night time. Anyway, one night he was disturbed and he was he muttered something under his breath and obviously he's got a direct line to God, so he said something like, you know, somebody should teach that person a lesson or something like that, something to those effect. <laughs> and basically all of these wild animals came out of the woods and ripped this person to shreds. And anyway, Beno, Beno just continued praying, didn't notice, came back and then he realised it was one of his pupils, a guy called Al Hearn. Um, and he was, you know, Beno was 
in an awful way but luckily he has this power of bringing people back from the dead so basically he just went around and gathered all the bits of him and put him back together and he was fine but he couldn't find his eyebrow Beno couldn't find one of his eyebrows <laughs> it was missing so what he did was he thought he looked around and he said oh okay so he had his staff that he used to help get him out of the river and they had an iron tip so he took the iron tip off his staff stuck it onto Alherin's forehead and gave him his other eyebrow and from then on this this saint Alherin he became a saint was known as Iron Eyebrow brilliant so he's not the patron saint of plastic surgeons (laughs) (laughs) no just sick cattle so yeah well I think that's a great that's a a great one as well that's a very good one and I mean the whole thing people worrying about you know people not churches are worried that people aren't going to church I mean the option of being brought back to life I mean, that would be an incentive, but, that, but, but, I mean, surely the option of being brought back to life is a key part of the Christian <laughs> yeah, faith, isn't exactly. it, Tom? <laughs> oh, Dominic, <laughs> stopping it with your theological jokes. <laughs> okay, so Go that's right. brilliant. So that's two. All so, right. So Ooh, number gosh, three. Okay. okay, three. Big one. We're staying in North Wales. This time we're going to St. Brothens, Llanfrothen in North Wales. This is one... Bro- say that again, sorry. St. <laughs> Brothen, Llanfrothen. Okay. All right. That's fine. Just checking. That's fine. Did you, did you think you might know it, Dominic? If I, if I, I did, repeated yeah, it. I did, yeah. I did, exactly. <laughs> yeah, okay, fine. Um, hey, that one. <laughs> so this is this is a great church. This is one that I actually look after with Friend of the Friendless Churches. But um, this is a church where um, uh, there's one man and he basically changed the course of history after his death at this church. So do either of you know a guy called Robert Roberts? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> Right, okay. I didn't think you did. He was a North Walian quarry man in 1888. Oh, him. You're historians, come on. So anyway, Robert Roberts died 1888 and he wanted to be buried next to his daughter. That was his one wish. Uh, but his daughter, but he wasn't a member of the established Church of England. Dun, dun, dun. He was a nonconformist. Uh, and that's where all the trouble began. There's loads of kind of story about why this didn't work out for him. But basically, um, the vicar wouldn't allow him to be buried in the church next to his daughter, in the churchyard next to his daughter. And the scene was sort of set for a clash. Um, So how it all happens was uh, kind of uh, Robert Roberts' family went to a newly qualified solicitor. A guy you will know, definitely. You'll know this guy if you don't know Robert Roberts. Um... David Lloyd George, have you heard of him? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Dominic's <laughs> hero. Dominic loves David Lloyd Yeah, okay. Sorry, it's, it sounds like I've sort of picked Dominic's best churches. Anyway. That's right. That's how it should be. Uh, that was unintentional. But I thought I'd, I'd get this in. So basically, this um, this burial um, is sort of what um, launched David Lloyd George's career. So basically, he was a newly qualified solicitor. He was aged 25. And he took up this case and he advised the family to just go ahead, defy the vicar, defy the diocese and bury Robert Roberts next to his daughter in the church, I mean, Church of Wales um, churchyard. But the vicar knew this was kind of brewing. So he locked up the churchyard and all of this. uh, And so they couldn't get in. But what they did do, led by David Lloyd George, they went to this really remote church down all of these winding lanes. They brought the body down there. David Lloyd George broke open the churchyard gates and by candlelight and lanterns, they buried Robert Roberts next to his daughter. All lovely, until the vicar found out. Then there was a huge court case. The jury voted in favour of the Roberts family. The judge um, voted in favour of the church. Not voted, you know what I mean. Um, uh, David Lloyd George appealed it. 
at the high court and eventually won. But that basically launched his career because then two years later he was voted the MP um, for Carnarvonshire and then he became, you know, the rest is history, as you oh, might say. Oh, goodness. Nicely done. Very nicely done. Ha- has anyone ever done that before? <laughs> they haven't, actually. Actually, oh. no, you're the first. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Do, can I just ask, the, the, the daughter, how long had she been dead? Do we know? Uh, oh, golly. Was it a kind I, of mouldering body or...? It was a mouldering body, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. <Ooh. laughs> Definitely, yeah. Yeah. So this is basically a battle between dissenters, Welsh dissenters, yeah. and the established church, which and was the a, church. Yeah. a huge political issue, actually, in the late it was, 19th, it was. early 20th century. Well, exactly. I mean, exactly. completely forgotten now. Well, exactly, but also all of this stuff... So, you know, David Lloyd George did... I mean, Lloyd George, I can probably just call him that. I don't need to give him his full name. Um, uh but this case became sort of the catalyst for the establishment of the the church um in wales as well which um yes. you know in in which eventually happened in the 1920s so uh, all of that sort of happened because because of this burial case which is really cool but just really quickly um the church is amazing too so saint brothen was a like sixth century saint it's the church is thir- now 13th century it's built on an uh, right on the estuary um, so right on the shore, it's amazing 15th century roof, massive timbers, absolutely gorgeous. Definitely go and see it. Okay, well, so a landmark right. in the history of disestablishmentarianism. Yeah, exactly. Which well <laughs> is definitely a word we've never had on the podcast yeah. before. Um, and before we move from that area, yeah, I just have the fourth, fourth one. You've got the fourth. No, no, no. This is just kind of a little, you know. A cheat. This okay. is this is this is three A. So if you're if you really like your uh, prime ministers, which you know I know some of the listeners to this show should or sh- um, do, you should go and see Saint Daniel's in Hawarden in Flintshire, which is where Gladstone was married in 1839. Do you know this, Dominic? You're nodding. Uh, yeah, Gladstone Hawarden. Yeah, of course. Fine, grand. Um, but apparently, when they got married, the church was crammed to suffocation with females, which you know some people might like. Um, but uh, anyway what's really interesting about this there's obviously that history but there's a memorial chapel to Gladstone and the family commissioned Gladstone's very good friend Burn Jones to design the window and it's an absolute I mean Burn Jones is great uh, if you like him <laughs> some people don't <laughs> um, but it's an amazing window it's a nativity scene you know it's massive all beautiful kind of usual Burn Jones style but yeah definitely worth going to see if you like Prime Ministers and Burn Jones wow we do yeah, Rachel. we love it. Yeah, Can't, on this podcast, we love Burn Jones, we love Prime Ministers, so that's absolutely ticking every box. Rachel. And Rachel, we've 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 been talking for half an hour, so I think we should have a break. Really? You've done, you've done three. I know. So you've got to get seven in. So the, there's now huge jeopardy. Yeah. Will you be able to get your now seven into half an hour? I mean, um, guys, yeah. don't go away. Yeah. I'm not allowed to say that, am I, Dominic? Because it sounds appealing. But but I mean, this is so exciting. Well, no one would want to go away because it is so exciting. Can you get seven into half Can you get seven half into half an, half an hour? Definitely Come back not. in a minute. Find <laughs> out. Bye-bye. Bye. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Bottling everything up is never a good idea. It can have terrible consequences. For instance, look at all the conflicts throughout history. I wonder how many of them could have been solved if they just talked things out. And Tom, I have a confession for our listeners. As you know, I've been really struggling with anxiety about the massive series that we've got coming on The Rest is History, all the prep we have to do for that series on the French Revolution, the First World War. I mean, it's all mounting up, isn't it? And when we talked it out, I felt 
so much better now that I got all those crippling anxieties and insecurities off my chest. If you want to talk, you can always talk to me. But if not, then I highly recommend therapy. It can help you learn positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. It empowers you, Dominic, to be the best version of yourself. If you want to give therapy a try, why not check out BetterHelp? It's entirely online, it's convenient and flexible, and it's really easy to get started. You just fill out a brief questionnaire and they'll match you with a licensed therapist. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash rest is history today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash rest is history. I'm Anthony Scaramucci, former White House Director of Communications and Wall Street financier. And I'm Katty Kay, U.S. Special Correspondent for BBC Studios. I've been covering American politics for almost three decades. Welcome to The Rest is Politics U.S., brought to you by Goalhanger. Go on, tell us, were those donations you made, like Obama in 2008, was that idealism? Were you hoping to get something out of these campaigns that would serve your own business interests, for example? So I think this will either make this podcast incredibly successful, Caddy, or people <laughs> will be horrified and they'll shut it off right now because I'm going to be very real with you. The Obama donation, I had gone to law school with President Obama. We were not classmates. I was a few years ahead of him. It was 2007. He was then Senator Obama. I had a check in my breast pocket. I went over to the senator. I said, Senator, I said, you and I didn't really know each other in law school, but I'm about to hand you a big check. Can I lie to my friends and tell them that you and I knew each other in law school? (laughs) Well, Obama looks at me, had the best smile in American politics since Jack Kennedy. Forever. Yeah. He lights up. He looks at me and says, I'll tell you what, if you double the amount of the check, we'll take it back to Hawaii. Okay. And I looked at him. I said, you're done. I had another check in my pocket. I ripped it up. I doubled the amount of the check. And I'm going to tell you right now, I've been to more White House Christmas parties during the Obama administration than the Trump administration. In this pivotal year for the United States, democracy and world affairs, Britain's biggest podcast, The Rest is Politics, is launching stateside. Uncovering secrets from inside the Biden and Trump inner circles and how they shape the world's most important economy, but also the global economy too. New episodes are released every Friday morning. Just search The Rest is Politics US wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to The Rest is History. We are facing a half an hour of intense excitement and jeopardy as our guest, Rachel Morley, the the director of Friends of Friends Churches, former winner of Person of the Year, is going to see if she can fit her remaining seven churches into the last half hour of the show, having taken the first half hour to do three churches. So, Rachel... It's massive, isn't it? It's high-octane church. I mean, this is unbelievable drama. At its best. (laughs) Okay, so neither of you talk for the next half an hour, please. Okay, okay so and I'll just Good. get it out. Fine. Okay, next. Number four on my list. Uh, oh, I have I have a big intro to this because I want to try and fit as many churches in as possible, so I'm just going to try my best, okay? Right, anyway. Whew. Who knows about the Commonwealth Graves Commission? 
Yeah, I do. I've been to it. Well done. Anyway, okay. There's a book, there's a really good book that came out, I think last year or the year before, called Tomb of the View by Peter Ross. He's got a great chapter in it. uh, And he taught me lots about the Commonwealth Graves Commission that I didn't realise. So things like, uh, if you're buried in a Commonwealth Grave Cemetery, your your stone has to be 813 millimetres above the grass. um, And your, the grass has to be cut between 3.5 and 6 centimetres. I thought that was very interesting. Anyway, this is kind of a segue into... (laughs) Number four, which is uh, World World War Churches, Chapels, Memorial Churches, Chapels. So I want to call out just two, which will be very familiar, and I'm not going to have time to talk about them in any great depth, despite I've written loads. There's the Italian chapel in Orkney, which is great. It's a, a prisoner of war, um, double Nissen huts. They used cement. They used things like corned beef tins to make candle holders um, uh, and uh, car exhaust to make the font. Really great. Rach, let me interrupt. Yes. One of our listeners suggested yeah. this. Kimberu, Kimberu Fod. Kimberu Fod. He suggested it. Well, so, Kimberu, uh, give yourself a massive round of applause. Yes. Great. He's anyway, moving on from that, um, there's the Wales Prisoner of War. There's the Wales Prisoner of War uh, Chapel, which many people don't know about. It's um, Hentland Chapel near the, near the River Tyvee. Uh, that was a 1994 chapel. Again, um, sorry, 1994, 1944 <laughs> chapel. It's again, it's a Nissan hut. Um, and they used all sorts of things like berries, tea, coffee. They burned fish or boiled fish bones to make glue and they decorated. That's all great. I have to go at really high speed. So, number four. Neither um, of those was number four. No, unbelievably. no, no. Those, those, were, those were just ones that deserve a mention. They're, they're, they deserve a mention, but they're not number four. So number four is probably one of the most moving places I've ever been in my whole entire life. Um, it's the Sandon Memorial Chapel in Hampshire. Uh, it is outside it's a really modest kind of red brick chapel um, but inside it is just uh, I mean it's it's just this epic large scale murals the interior is entirely painted um, by Stanley Spencer and it was done between 1920 and 1926 um, and it was built to honour the forgotten dead of, of World War One, specifically Lieutenant Harry Sandham who basically uh, he was on the Salonica front with um, with Spencer, he came back from the war, but he uh, he died from he caught malaria, they think, while he was out there, and he died once he came back. But he doesn't appear on any official kind of list or anything because he wasn't kind of you know one of the um, the uh, official war offici- official official warded exactly. Great, thanks, Dominic. Anyway, what's great about this is so it's scenes from so Stanley. Spencer, he worked as an orderly in Beaufort Hospital in Bristol and then he was out on the Salonica front and basically there are a series of paintings so it shows his um, his time in the hospital uh, working in the hospital so it's like filling tea urns changing the beds, doing the laundry um, all of that sort of thing uh, and then above you've got um, scenes from um, for scenes from Salonica and it's, I mean it's so, it's so moving he painted himself into it so he's you know, he's cooking rashers. There's a dog licking out an empty Frey Bentos tin. Um, there's, I mean, it, but it's it's so it's 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 just so powerful because of the scale that they're on. And then I have to miss out so much because I have no time. But anyway, the east wall is this resurrection scene, and it's not like any other resurrection scene you will ever see. It's basically um, uh, the. It, it, in the centre, there's a carriage and the, it's broken apart. It's split apart. There's bits of wood flying everywhere. There are two horses which have collapsed right in the middle. And it's just a chaotic scene right in the foreground. And it's all of these 
men who are getting out of their graves and they're picking up their white crosses and they're walking towards a figure barely decipherable in the kind of background and it's a little white figure of Christ he's tiny and they're walking up and they're giving their crosses to Christ and after that they walk past him um, into kind of a, a peaceful landscape which is Watership Down which is near near where the chapel is located Watership as Down in, as in a as place. in the rabbits as in rabbits yeah but also it's a place it's a real place so anyway so that's absolutely amazing but what was really terrible about this was when they came to consecrate the chapel all the various bishops said they wouldn't they wouldn't consecrate it because it showed animals being resurrected so the horses were kind of you know coming back to life and the dogs and stuff like that and they said animals don't have souls so we're not going to resurrect it eventually the bishop of Guildford said he would consecrate the chapel but only if they put curtains and stuff over the animals because they um, my god that's I know, pretty harsh isn't it bonkers anyway that is, that is one of the most I haven't done it justice animals, animals definitely have souls and, and Rachel did, is it, Spencer did this before Cookham and all that yes yes so Cookham is um, you know what he called like a little suburb of heaven so yeah so that's his There's all that kind of amazing stuff again, all of that, coming yeah. out of the graves and things exactly yeah. exactly no it's just it's one of the um yeah, it's just, it's just one of those. And sorry, I will just say there's one scene in it where it's in the hospital and they're meant to be disinfecting the bedside lockers. So it's it's uh, they've got these copper baths and there's a man kind of you know putting them into the thing. But Stanley Spencer was really small. He was like five foot two and weighed less than seven stone, and he couldn't actually physically lift the um, lockers into the baths to do the work. And he paints himself into it, and he's crouching, he's hiding between the two baths, um, trying to kind of get away from it all. Um, and it's just oh sorry I have no it sounds, I'm thinking about it it's one of it's just yeah people more people should know about it it's so wonderful well thank you that's that very sounds good. amazing all right number five okay this is a very quick one this was meant to be my number five and my breaking point because I wanted to sing a little song at the end of it <laughs> oh my god that. I can't miss out on the song all right still okay. song. just very very quickly so number five is Saint Nicholas's Worth in Sussex so this is a um, it was once in a clearing of a forest. It's the largest Saxon cruciform church that still um, survives on its original foundations. The forest is now cleared and the church is sort of squeezed between the M23 and uh, a, a, a housing estate in Crawley. Um, but it is one of, like, I know Dominic, you're making faces, but it is actually like, one of, it's one of the most important and uh, ancient churches. Somebody once described it as the most beautiful set of arches left to us by the Saxon world, which is great. Sounds good. Yeah. Anyway, uh, interesting things about this is all the Saxon stuff, obviously, but in the churchyard, you will find Robert Whitehead, who... Does anybody know who he was? No, Tom. Fine. No. He was the inventor of the torpedo. Oh, oh that's a good that, fact. It is a good fact. And basically, he sold his first torpedoes to the Austrians. And then in 1912, his granddaughter went to, um, uh, like... I don't know, and not launch torpedoes, that would be terrible, to celebrate a, like a new torpedo or something in Austria. <laughs> and she met, As you do. she met the commander who was George von Trapp and she went on to marry him. They had seven ah. children in 12 years. Then she died and the husband uh, got a, moved to Salzburg, hired and a nun a non, called... And needed a nanny. Who needed a nanny, got a nun called Maria and then they became the von Trapp family choir and they, there's the sound of music. That is a very, very okay. good story. That is, is a good story. But and I what, can see why you need a song. Well, no, I'm not going to sing The Sound of Music. But basically, 
there's so much Saxon stuff about this. So it's Saxon arches, Saxon foundation, Saxon apps, Saxon windows. I don't know if this is right, but I I like to make up songs. Dominic will know this is sort of a thing in our family. Uh, we like to make up random songs about things. So I I'm would, always making up songs, Tom. So if I if I could give Saint Nicholas Worth a song, I would call it. Sorry, I feel so embarrassed now. But anyway, <laughs> I'm too Saxon for my shirt. Saxon for my shirt. So Saxon, it hurts. Anyway, there we go. We've never had that. Singing on the podcast about the Anglo Saxons before. But I think we should make it a rule. (laughs) Anyway, there we go. We have to we have to move on. Sorry guys. Is that that the only song? That's the only song. Sorry. Sorry, sorry. I mean, who knows? I might come up against anything else. Spontaneously. Um the next one is Time and Space Church. Dominic, I know you like this. Um, sorry, Tom, you might like this too. I feel like I'm, I'm kind of leaving you out. Sorry. Anyway. No, no. I, 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 you, you focus on Dominic. He needs, okay. ed- he needs education. He does need yeah. education. Yes. Anyway. So, Dominic, I know you did a series on, or a programme on sci-fi, didn't you? A series, Rach. A series. A whole series. Oh, I thought it was just one off. Oh, well. There we go. It's a great, <laughs> great series if anybody would like to uh, watch it. Uh, yeah, Tomorrow's World. <laughs> Tomorrow's uh, the, World. The, the unearthly history of science fiction. Yeah. Anyway. Um... So, uh, I don't know if you mentioned this because I don't actually remember if I watched the programme. So, oh. um, <laughs> but, first of all, I want to go to uh, St. John the Baptist Whitbourne in Herefordshire. Weirdly, we didn't mention that in our science fiction series. Well, Dominic, that is a huge oversight on your part because at the end of the 17th century, that is when Francis Goodwin, the Bishop of Herefordshire, he was living next to the church and he wrote the world's first science fiction novel, The Man on the Moon. The man, in, the man in the moon. You didn't get know the, that? Get the title right. <laughs> the man in the moon. The man in the moon. Anyway, basically, very quickly, it's a Spanish man called Domingo Gonzalez. He's stranded on an island and he trains a flock of swans to um, uh, to basically... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? To basically fly him away in a cart and they fly him up to the moon. And when he gets to the moon, or when he's on his way to the moon, he realises that actually Copernicus was right that the uh, the Earth is not the centre of the universe and it revolves around the sun. And wh- when did he write this? At the end of the 17th century. Right. Very, very end of the 17th century. And he also describes gravi- gravity, which is decades before Isaac Newton would ever go on to discover it. Godwin's buried in the churchyard in Whitburn. That's not the church. This is, again, just a same Oh, way. God. That's not even the church. <laughs> it's not the church. It's not the church. Anyway. There's so little time. No, no, no. You, no, you no. keep doing these segues. So little time, but so many churches. Anyway. Then, uh, so we talked about Isaac Newton. From there, we go to St. Peter's and Paul Market Overton in Rutland. Uh, basically, Isaac Newton's mother was from there. He spent a lot of time there. Um, the church at Market Overton has lots of lovely Saxon elements. And in the churchyard, they discovered a bronze um, Saxon water clock, something that was kind of developed or derived from the ancient Egyptians. Newton was fascinated by this and it kind of spurred on his uh, studies and experiments into time and space. And apparently there's a sundial on the church and he donated it to the church in kind of gratitude for it kind of spurring on his studies. Anyway, the church that I want to talk about, which is actually number six, <laughs> is... Um, Neither of those were the church. No, no, no. no Unbelievable. No, 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 no. Anyway, but there's so many good churches. But basically, it's St. Gregory's Kirkdale in Yorkshire. I think somebody, somebody definitely mentioned this on your list. I'm pretty certain. Um, so uh, above that church, you will find a preserved Saxon sundial. <clears throat> oh, yes. Uh, yes. You, you know That's one? wonderful. That is a good one. Great. I'm glad you know it. Yes. 
And it's it's um it's next to where William Buckland found the uh, hyena. That's correct. Bones oh, in the Tom, cave. Tom, yes. You're ruining my ending. Oh, oh I'm sorry. Oh, sorry, fine, Rachel. Sorry. Fine, it's fine. It's no, fine. but I love that church. Okay, that's good. But you know that there's a, like a uh, it's got like the longest inscription in Saxon English on that sundial. Do you know it? Do you know what it says? Uh, I can't remember, but I do remember knowing He that. doesn't remember. Okay, great. So I'll read it out to you very quickly. So it says, Orm, the son of Gamel, bought St. Gregory's Church when it was utterly broke and fallen and caused to be made anew from the ground. He dedicated to Christ and St. Gregory in the days of King Edward and the days of Earl Trusty. Haworth bought me and Harith wrought me and brand the prior. So... From that, you can date the sundial to about 1055, 1065-ish, when Edward the Confessor was king, right? That's all great. Tosti is better known as Tostig, the brother the of, of Harold. Cat. Yeah, Tom's got the a name cat of my cat. Tostig. Do you? Oh, great. Yeah. Lovely. Um, <laughs> um, it all connects. It all connects, it all connects. But basically, then Tosti um, was killed. Uh, he killed the Gamal in that inscription, and then eventually he was himself killed at uh, oh, Stamford Bridge. Yeah. yeah, basically. But the, the <clears throat> sundial is great. It's um, it was covered. It remains in such good condition because it was um, plastered over for about seven hundred years and was only discovered in seventeen seventy one. But remarkably, it's actually the sundial is a reused grave slab. So when the when Orm, son of Gamel, says in this inscription that he the, the old church was broken down, they reused bits of that much earlier church which 20th century excavations found to be um, about 8th or 9th century, which is really cool. So they found like carvings and stuff like that in the walls. Um, and yeah, there's loads of lovely cross slabs and all of that sort of stuff in the in the walls, which is great. Anyway, that's right about Buckland. Quarryman, 1821, I think. Yes. Um, found uh, nearby from there, uh, reopened a cave, Stone Age things, hyena bones, but also... Um, hippopotamus bones and yeah. it is yeah okay tom you know what yeah yeah no it's and it's and it's such a kind of dramatic setting yeah absolutely. go down from the church down and yeah it's fabulous yeah. yes all right let's crack on what okay. are you on now number eight no, number, number seven. seven number seven oh my god this is a quick one okay this it's... is this is this is uh this is weird animals to weird animals sort of um so hippopotamuses to turkeys great okay so um, most people think of churches and think of Christmas. That's definitely what the Church of England um, stats will tell us anyway. But also there's a Yorkshire church that celebrates not only the coming of Christ, but also the coming of the turkey. Does anybody know what St. Andrew's Boynton in Yorkshire? No, I don't know. Fine, okay. It's a gorgeous church, but there are turkeys everywhere in the church. And the reason is because William Strickland of Boynton, he bought the first turkey to Britain. So in 1526, he went to America to find his fortune. He went looking for gold, but came back with six turkeys. <laughs> Basically, uh, he bred them and then he sold them. And they became so popular, he became really rich. He was able to build a country house. He became an MP in the reign of Queen Elizabeth. Um, but he adopted the turkey as his kind of family symbol. So there's a turkey lectern, there's turkeys in the window, there's turkeys all over the tombs. It's great. Um, so first turkey came from him. And also when he was trying to get his coat of arms, um, he used the turkey and his little sketch of a turkey is the earliest depiction of a turkey in the whole of Europe. That's fantastic. What so a claim to fame. So and, there, and, why should, and why 
And why shouldn't turkeys be in churches? Why shouldn't they be in churches? You know, but they're God's creatures. That's right, yeah. Uh, uh, but also, the, as well as the turkeys, the church is absolutely gorgeous. Inside, it's like a Georgian box. Beautiful. Uh, redesigned by John Carr of York in the 18th century. Green panelled pews. It's got um, clustered columns, cornice. Plaster putties, swags, medallions. It's got this flourish of a staircase. Um, absolutely gorgeous. And my favourite is a really lovely Norman tub font where it's got intersecting arches, kind of little, almost kind of classical capitals and plinths um, on the arches. And it's kind of got this greenish tinge and it's absolutely lovely. Loads more to say about that, but we have no time. Okay. okay. Great. So we've got two left. Three no, left. No, we have three left. Oh my three goodness. Left. Okay, I'm going to be really quick. I'll try. No, next... you've got ten minutes. Oh, okay. The next one is a long one. Okay. So <laughs> so this this is kind of all this about like... This is so exciting for the listeners, finding out whether you're going to do it or not. Okay. Let me just look at the time. Fine. 15 minutes. Okay, fine. 10. 10. All right, Tom, I get it. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the next thing is all about like superstitions and magic in churches. So first of all, I want to just give a mention to... This is not the church, by the way. I want to give a mention to St. Cadfans in Gwyneth which is, it's got a crying knight. It's a 13th, uh, 1350s effigy. And basically, apparently the knight has been crying for about 650 years. But, but uh, there's like water dripping out of his right eye all the time. This is my right eye. Um, uh, but somebody did some research and actually it's a fault in the stone. <laughs> there's, oh, well, there's, 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 there's uh, the very similar thing at Bartholomew the Great. Oh, right, London, okay. Yeah. Where there was, there was somebody who was crying and then yeah. they fixed the drains and it stopped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's pretty much that sort of thing, which is sad. Um, from there, a really popular church which is St. Issue Patricio in Powys, where there's a kind of a, a rusty painted skeleton on the west wall. People, he's um, holding up a shovel and a hourglass um, and people have tried and tried and tried to whitewash him out, but he keeps seeping back to the surface, so you can't get rid of him. That's lovely. Then, um, kind of staying around that area, there's St. Michael's and Cascob. And there's an inscription on the wall, which I think is really, which I think is brilliant, where a kind of, that kind of superstition and faith kind of, you know, not really, kind of the mixture is really good. So it's a, um, about 1700, and the inscription reads, O Lord Jesus, we beseech thee for thy mercy that this holy charm, abracadabra, <laughs> make sure thy servant a Does it really bit. say abracadabra? It says abracadabra, yep. Make your thy servant, <laughs> Elizabeth Lloyd, from all evil sprites and from all their diseases. Amen. So that's good. Nice. So, yeah. Uh, and then uh, just very quickly to say that uh, one such evil sprite could be Lilius Addy, who was um, in Scotland. So she was a, uh, a witch who died in prison uh, in Scotland in 1704. She's buried on the shore of Torrey Bay in Fife. Um, and she's they put like a massive sandstone slab over her grave so that she couldn't get out basically uh, and she was a witch because she confessed probably under great torture to having sex with the devil so that was unfortunate um, but basically her body was dug up in the 19th century uh, her skeleton was made it was sold off made into walking sticks all of those sorts of stuff what, you know? <laughs> what? I I'd, I'd happily have such a walking it's stick it's awful it's awful and now, it's a I think, terrible thing I know and people um, there's, a, there's a group in Scotland that are trying to kind of her. Bring all the walking sticks back together. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and bury her properly. Anyway, but just right, on them. Well, uh, uh, kind of. So that lady, you know, admitted to having sex with the devil. That's fine. But 
in Shropshire, there's Halston Hall, where there's a guy called Mad Jack Mighton. I don't know if anybody knows of him. No? Okay, great. Yeah, I know him. I okay, know him. great. Yeah. So, you know, this fella drank six bottles of port a day. He fed his dog steak and champagne. He went duck shooting naked on a frozen lake. He dressed up as a highwayman and ambushed his guests. He rode a bear into dinner um, when, you know, as a kind of a spectacle. But he was absolutely fine. So there was nothing kind of untoward about his behaviour and he's buried in the crypt. So, you know, they, they didn't have to bury him under a um, uh, under a big mass of sandstone slab. But anyway, the church... It's everyday I, sexism, isn't it? Uh, it is, yeah. Yeah. Um, but hold on, she, she'd she been having sex with the devil. She hadn't been riding a bear. They're two very different No, women. but she didn't actually have sex with the devil, Dominic. She was probably tortured. She died in prison probably because they tortured her. I just think I, we should take a bit of a open-minded approach to these. To okay. These okay, fine. Anyway, number eight is Ain Hallow on Scotland. And so hold on, no, 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 that wasn't even number no, eight. No, 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 but these were just kind of... This is the preamble. The, I, I like a preamble. Okay, very, very quickly... Uh, Ain Hallow was is an island um, in Orkney, um, and it was once in the grip of a magic <coughs> spell, and it was completely inaccessible to humans. So uh, the so- stories go that it was occupied by the Finn folk, who are kind of you know sorcerers, sort of dementory type people, um, uh, and uh, they used to abduct children and all that sort of stuff. But basically, uh, humans eventually did make it over there, and by the salt and the sign of the cross. They retrieved the island from the Finn folk and they built a little church there. And for a long time, it was thought that the soil of this um, Ain Hallow was so sacred um, that it would repel anything that was undesirable. So even rats and mice. So people used to like to go and get a handful of soil to kind of keep all the undesirables from their house. Anyway, really quickly, because I don't have very much time. um, This is... uh, this is a really kind of ancient old Norse church on Orkney. It's just a ruin now. It was, um, it was kind of redis- it was, it, it, the church was repurposed into a dwelling in and around the 16th century. Nobody knew it was there until it was discovered by chance in 1851. Um, but it is hugely important, massively under-researched. Um, and yeah, you, you can see bits of the Norse kirk, the, you know, the porch, the gables, the nave, the, nave, the chancel walls, they're kind of all sorts I, of there. And is it under-researched because it's so difficult to... Nobody can live there. Is it under-researched because nobody... You can go out there one day a year. Um, one day a year? Yeah. So no wonder it's difficult to research. Exactly. Anyway, very quickly because we have no time. Moving on. So what I love about churches is all the stuff in them. Is this number nine now? This is number nine. Yeah, very quick. Um, number nine. Okay. Whew. Big shout out to <laughs> Big shout out to St. Bothell's Hardham in West Sussex. This is the preamble again. This is the preamble. Okay. Big shout out to St. Bothell's Hardham in West Sussex, which has some of the oldest wall paintings in the UK. Um, it's got the Annunciation, the Massacre, um, Adam and Eve, George and the Infidels, Doom, Flight into Egypt, all there. Amazing. Date to about 11, the 1100s, uh, on the side of a road. Cars flying past, nobody knows it's there. Great. And it survived because it was whitewashed. Or yes. was it just Sepsphere? Correct. That, Correct. Yeah. yeah. Okay. St. Lawrence, Broughton in Buckinghamshire. Brilliant church on the outskirts of Milton Keynes. <laughs> um, it's really great wall paintings. Nothing on the outside. Inside, 
15th century wall paintings, massive George and the Dragon, you've got dooms, you've got, you know, blacksmiths, you've got all this sort of stuff. What I love is it's got a, a little panel called the warning to the blasphemers. And you've got all these kind of, you know, contemporary um, dressed 15th century fellows and looking all nice and dandy. And in the middle is a pieta and Christ is kind of lying there and his body is kind of being pulled apart. So it's like the, sh the skin is shredded off his arms and legs and there's blood dripping around and these guys um are like you know they're drinking and they're playing you know i don't know backgammon or something and they're swearing on christ's body and basically and and some of them hold up bits of bones and heart and stuff like that and it's um that every time you swear on christ's body or you blaspheme uh, you're prolonging christ's suffering there we go anyway the real star, number nine, doo -doo -doo, is St. Caddock's St. Harfin in Vale of Glamorgan. So these oh, so not no, St. No, no. Thomas's, not St. Thomas's in Salisbury? No, it's not. This is a better oh. one, Tom, sorry. Much better, actually, because the Salisbury one is lovely, but actually it's been really over-restored. Sorry about that. Please don't kill me oh, well. or hate me. Anyway, no, 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 this no, is a great right, church. Fair enough. A little whitewashed church in the Vale of Glamorgan. Uh, the wall paintings were only discovered in 2008. And they are some of, I mean, they're some of the best in the whole of Europe. Unbelievably beautiful. So you've got a huge George and the Dragon. You've got the Virgin Mary blessing him. You've got the princess. You've got the people in the tower. But what's really cool is it's got the um, seven deadly sins and the seven acts of mercy. And the seven I've seen it. Have I've you? seen it. Oh, yes. good. Oh, good. I Hooray. I have. Yes. I, I, it is better than St. Thomas's and Salisbury. Yes. Okay. You, no, you're right. Brilliant. Thank you. I mean, of course you're right. But, but no, Thanks. you're... Oh, I'm really glad. Phew. Okay, because I only have about one minute to do the last one, but just very... No, Rachel, you don't. Just take your time. Okay. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> because this is quality. This is quality, so it's fine. All right, okay. Well, just really quickly. Okay, so this church is brilliant. I said about the St. George and the Dragon. It's also got um, a Death and the Gallant, which is u completely unique. So you've got kind of, you know, a nice, again, kind of a nice contemporary dandy fellow and then a skeleton in a shroud kind of like looking over him. Um, Seven Deadly Sins, they are in brilliant condition and what I love about them is there's like a central beast and it's got multi heads and the heads kind of come up and in the jaws of each of the kind of sub heads um, of this beast there's a little panel that contains the each, um, <clears throat> each of the Seven Deadly Sins and it's just, they are so... <clears throat> I mean, they're just amazing. So in each one, one of my favourite ones is Gluttony, which is, um, there's a man and he's kind of got a big swollen stomach and his uh, buttons are popping off his vest and there's a, and there are kind of um, empty, empty glasses all around him. And there's a, there's a little demon who's pulling back his head and forcing more beer down his neck, <laughs> kind of forcing him to drink more. Um, and they're just, I mean, they're just so brilliant. Um, and just, just to say they were complete they were discovered completely by chance and they were getting some work done to the wall plate they were repair doing a little bit of timber repair and the builder saw a bit of red paint and said oh that might be interesting completely by chance and really yeah, some of the some of the best in in europe so wow. there we go dominic you should go there okay, okay last one now i'm really worried that we're going to end on a low point because i've kind of just raced through and i've kind of just kept something really quick yep. for last but anyway uh this is literary connections so, you know, loads of literary connections. Thomas Hardy, you know, love of my life. All of that sort of stuff. Um, this one is Saint Michael and All Angels in Hathersage, which is, um, do you know it, Tom? Making no, a noise? No? I think so. Okay, so it, this isn't a Hardy church, but 
Uh, it's a, basically a 14th century church. Lots of all interesting things. But the big thing here is the heirs. They're absolutely everywhere in uh, the church. They were the lords of the manor for about 800 years. So you can see them on you know, their, the font, the porch, the memorials on the walls, coats of arms The heirs, sorry, that's their surname. Heirs, yeah, sorry. Heirs. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Sorry, E-Y-R-E-S. Yeah. Basically, in 1854, Charlotte Bronte came here. Uh, she attended services with her friend, who was Ellen, uh, Ellen Nussi who was the sister of the newly appointed vicar. And she basically, Charlotte Bronte took loads from this church and her kind of time in Hathersay to write Jane Eyre, which is great. So um, the village of Hathersay becomes the village Morton. Um, Henry Newsey, who's the vicar, becomes St. John Rivers, who, you know, uh, saves Jane or whatever. And Jane Eyre is obviously named after the heiress, which is great. And then very finally, in the churchyard, apparently is... Uh, that is also apparently the resting place of um, little uh, Robin Hood's great friend, Little John. Because little John. Little John. Very good. Oh. Because in 1784, uh, Captain James Shuttleworth discovered a, a massive femur, a massive thigh bone that was over a metre long. Oh, it um, must have been him. Must have been him. So basically, that person, the person the bone was attached to would have been over eight feet tall. And there's only one person in all history. <laughs> <laughs> Who that yep. could be. Exactly. Why, why did they think John. it was Little John? They probably just wanted like tourism or something, you know. Okay. okay. Even even in the seventeen eighty four, yeah. No, I think I mean I think there's a legend that his um, Little John's like hat and coat used to, he used to hang his hat and coat in the church and stuff like that. Oh, you I know? see. But you know, so oh, I see. He was kind of they kind of knew he was around there, so they just said. So that was your number ten, Rach. Whew. Yeah. And that and you didn't choose any churches from your native country. Well, I didn't because um, when you said it to me, first of all, <laughs> you, didn't, uh. you didn't include Ireland. And actually, you gave me the wrong date. You gave me the 13th of August for this. Um, so I had been working to a different date. So the list was kind of ready for a long time. So anyway, so I was working to that. And then, Tom, I nearly died when you said Britain and Ireland. Uh, because, oh, I saw- <laughs> So, yeah, that was panic. Well, I, I mean, huge apologies to our Irish listeners and to you, Rachel. Sorry. For Dominic's incompetence. What? I mean... I can choose one very quickly, but it's uh, yes. I, yeah, yeah, you're fa- yes. Let's, so let's have an Irish. Basically, one. an Irish one. I will. It's you know, it's an, it's an obvious choice for me, but it's my local church. We grew up in Turnus Cross, which is a 1920s suburb of Cork City in Ireland. Um, the church there is amazing. Uh, it was built in uh, about 1920. Started building in about 1929, I think. Um, but it is the first concrete church in the whole of Ireland. Um, but also some people say it's um, the first modernist church in Ireland, but it was designed by a guy called Barry Byrne, who was a student of Frank Lloyd Wright. He was based in Chicago. He never even got to see the church, but it's, I mean, it's, it's just amazing. What I love about it is it kind of takes, um, it draws on like Christ the Redeemer. So it's a massive Christ with open arms and you kind of walk under the doors under his arms. Um, and it's you know limestone on the outside limestone sculpture um really interesting kind of yeah the the way the the trusses are arranged internally so it's um you know beautifully lit uh kind of a stepped gable all of this sort of stuff lovely like black marble and well, all that sort of that, stuff anyway well, let's, put, let's, 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 let's put that let's put that in as 11th and you know i think we really need to find a way to put this list somewhere don't we i we mean do. i guess we, when, need, when, we should put images on online tom shouldn't we we'll put the and, and yes and when we publicize this on twitter we'll we'll add so Rich, if you send us the list that would be great because i yeah. mean 
That's a fantastic array you've given well, us. Well... I can't yeah. thank you enough. And Rach... Yeah. Well, Rach, so, this is, you should plug your charity. Okay. So you're the director of Britain's leading church's charity. <laughs> Other church charities are available, but they're not as good, let's be honest. <laughs> no, this yours, is the, yours is the Friends of Friendless Churches. So tell us just a tiny bit about this extraordinary named organisation. Okay, fine. Uh, so the Friends of Friendless Churches, we were founded in 1957, and it was basically, it was the 13th of July, churches were being demolished, being declared, you know, being declared redundant and just being left fall apart. And this Welshman, who was our main founder, Ivor Bulmer Thomas, gathered a group of all his friends. Um, Tom, you uh, spoke about T.S. Eliot. T.S. Eliot was one of the founders. John Betjeman, John Piper, um, Lady Mander from Whitwick, Roy Jenkins, all of these people got together and they called themselves the Friends of Friendless Churches. And they would be the group that goes out and defends these buildings um, that when they when they are no longer used for worship. And that's basically what we do. Um, you know, churches are closing. Um, more churches are probably going to close, but they are um, they are the they are some of the greatest buildings. They are the spiritual investment of generations. They're like I mean, they're regardless. I I I think they kind of transcend time and race and religion, and that they are just saturated with kind of human experience. They also contain some of the best art and architecture they're everywhere um, and they, they should be protected for everybody and not sold off to private individuals and Fantastic. that's what we do we have we work in england and wales we're non-denominational and we have we currently have 60 churches in our care and we take on more every single year and we do it um with a grant of one hundred and twenty thousand pounds so we wow. kind of work okay. on a shoestring so yeah okay well Thanks. i i can't thank you enough for that um and I think that your selection Brilliant. eminently proves what you said about churches. Okay. I mean, they're kind of incredible fascination. Well, I guess... Um, so thanks I, so much. Sorry. I guess what I want... Sorry, Tom. I guess She's what still I, going. <laughs> well, no, I guess the reason why I kind of chose these ones is that you don't need to go to kind of... Even the smallest and most obscure church, the one on the side of a motorway, is still packed with history, even if it's, you know, Saxon, inventor of the torpedo, Von Trapps, it's all there. Um, yeah. You know. Uh, Brilliant. Yeah. Yep. Okay, thank you very much, Rach. Thank, thank you. you to everybody for listening. Visit your local church, donate to the Friends of Friendless Churches, and most of all, listen to the next Rest is History. We'll see you all next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to The Rest is History. For bonus episodes, early access, ad-free listening, and access to our chat community, please sign up at restishistorypod.com. That's restishistorypod.com.